the long run, passivity won't pay off. It never pays off. If you want a life of meaning and transcendence, you're going to have to move. Aggression doesn't have to be toxic or damaging. Healthy aggression risks. It builds new things. It breaks through barriers. It's the key to living a life that matters. I'm Brian Tome, and this is The Aggressive Life. Come on, welcome to the aggressive life. This is a special episode because today you are spending the entire time with me. That's right, the entire time with me. That's right, it's my podcast, and today I'm doing all the talking. It's my podcast, and I'll talk if I want to, talk if I want to, talk if I want to. You would talk too if you had a podcast. I got, <laughs> I got something I need to say. I want to make sure you hear me loud and clear. This podcast is not meant to tickle your eardrums. It's not meant to pass the time on your commute. I have zero visions of grandeur. This is going to crack the top 10 podcasts on Apple. It's not meant to give you new concepts to ponder and think about. Ooh, interesting. This podcast is to get you to freaking move. It's meant to get you on your toes and off your rear. It's meant to get you off the bench and into the game. It's meant to get you out of the past and into the future. It belongs to people, and it's for people who are willing to put stuff on the line and get moving who are aggressive. Think of today as a little bit of a vision cast because vision leaks. And I got to tell you, our culture is doing everything it can to stick pins into our heart, into our mind, and cause us all to just wait for something good to happen. To cause us all to think that somebody else is doing something to me and that's why my life isn't doing it. To convince me that God loves those who wait. There is such a thing as waiting on the Lord if you're a Bible reader, but it is not the kind of passivity that I see today. This is our 50th full-length episode. Unfreaking believable 50. And what I know from leading a massive organization myself is that vision does leak. I want to make sure that it's not leaking with you, the listeners. Whether we got five or 500,000 listeners, you need to know where you can go to hear a worldview that tells you you need to take your life by the throat, that you are responsible for your life, that waiting for something to take care of itself never takes care of itself. It only gets worse. The purpose of today is making sure we're all clear on that. So I'm, I'm going to make sure we understand what aggression is. Aggression is not physically forcing your will on somebody. That, that's not the aggression I'm talking about here. Aggression is not bending the rules that Uncle Sam has for us and maybe ending up in jail. That's, that's not aggression. Aggression is not being willy-nilly about what we care. And I just, I'm just saying what I believe. I'm just, I'm just saying what I believe. Doesn't matter who gets hurt and offended. I'm just saying what I believe. No, that's not the kind of aggression we're talking about. We're talking about you controlling the narrative of your life. We're talking about you moving from a place 
of seatbelts and helmets and insurance policies and you getting into the unknown. We are the most helmeted country in the history of the world. Nobody else puts helmets on their two-year-old, on their tricycle, in their basement. But if I let my kid go outside on his bicycle, I'm going to get flummoxed by people. Flummoxed. Is that the right? They will be flummoxed and they will flagellate me. Not flagellate me. Well, I hope, I hope they. Well, what's the F word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, flail, flail, flail me, flog me, flog. That's it. Flatulate, flog, whatever, whatever, whatever it is. But we live in a culture that doesn't understand aggression. We we live in the most insured culture in the history of the world. I like seatbelts. I wear a seatbelt every time I'm in a car because it doesn't affect my riding experience at all. I like helmets on a motorcycle, mostly. Every time I'm off-road, I'm on dirt, I'm on a helmet. When I'm driving to work on pavement, I'm a helmet 20% of the time. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not anti-helmets. I like helmets. I like insurance policies. I, I, I got a few of them, but let me tell you something. You cannot have an insurance policy, a helmet, and a seatbelt for you becoming great. Your future your greatness, whether that's defined by the family you lead, the business you start, the moral fiber you have, if you look to have a safety net, an assurance that things are going to be okay, you won't aggressively move. You'll passively state where we are. That's why we started the aggressive life, because we needed somebody or some group of people to be with that would help us to see this, this truth. And I hope you're happy with it. I hope that you're doing things in your life that are different. We hear from you regularly that you are doing things that are different. That's awesome. That's just, just awesome. I want to go back and I want to talk about where it is I get this idea of aggression. Why is it important to me? This isn't a faith podcast per se. We don't have any goal to back up all of our points with Bible verses. I'm not doing this podcast for my seminary professors, some of them, uh, some of them uh, are still alive right now. I'm doing this podcast for dudes and women who I've camped with, who are just normal Joes and Janes who are trying to slog through life and make something for themselves. I'm not trying to win any Bible award points here. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm never going to be featured on Theology Today. Not about that. You can talk about aggression, and an atheist can talk about aggression and how to take control of your life, as well as many, many people who are in the church. But the church is my training. I am actually a person of faith. I don't shy away from it. I've seen literal healings and miracles right before my very eyes. I've had aggressive things where God's come to me and whispered something to me when I was on a stage and said, there's somebody in this section right here that's got an arm issue and supposed to pray for. And what I know there was, there was a guy who had a nerve issue in his arm, prayed for him and, and he's gotten better. I didn't want to do that because I thought that's a too televangelisty of a move. And I'm not a televangelisty guy, but I've, I've seen God do healings through prayers that I've chosen to pray. I've seen literal demonic possession. I've seen it. I've seen frothing at the mouth. I've seen it. I, uh, I've read the Bible a lot, <laughs> a lot. I'm, I, 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 am a, I am a faith guy, and I just I want you to know how my faith informs this idea of aggression. 
the greatest people in the Bible, if you ever choose to read the Bible, the reason the people are recorded in there to begin with is because they did something aggressive. Nobody who played it safe is ever a Bible hero. Nobody who simply obeyed the Ten Commandments is ever a Bible hero. Nobody who simply loved their neighbor as their self is a Bible hero. Love your neighbor as yourself. Obey the Ten Commandments as yourself. That's just called being a good person who's tracking after God. But that's not a biblical hero. That's not somebody who is going to inspire us. Every single one in the Bible went against the passive people who are contemporaries of theirs, and they pushed in a new territory. Just a few. Just a few. Uh, Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau are the beginnings of the nation of Israel as Abraham and Sarah. They, they give, forth, give birth to these twins. And Jacob comes out of the womb, and he's holding on to the heel of his brother Esau. He's holding on to the heel. Every time I ever heard that that sermon in church, it was, well, Jacob is the supplanter. That's what he's he's the supplanter. Until I actually went to seminary and I learned how to speak Hebrew and I don't ask me now. I had a class I had classes in that decades ago now, but also have an awareness of the Hebrew language and Bible study tools. Yada yada yada. His name does not mean supplanter. His name means one who grasps. Jacob is the one who is grasping for more. He's holding on to his brother's heel, coming out of the womb. He's hustling. That's what his name means. He's a hustler. And by the way, Jacob is the one who receives the blessing to keep taking on the call of the nation of Israel. It's Jacob. He hustles. Esau comes to him. He's hungry. And Jacob has a business deal with him one time. Oh, okay. Well, you can have have the soup that I've made if, if, you give me your birthright. The birthright was what was culturally his by right. The oldest son would get the lion's share of the inheritance from the Jewish father. And Esau chooses to make the trade. The Bible squarely says that the fault is not with Jacob, who is driving a bargain and wanting to aggressively get what he gets. The fault squarely lies with Esau, who squanders his birthright, and who doesn't hold on and keep going. We see people like Noah, who builds an ark in the middle of dry land before there's been any rain. This is an incredibly aggressive move. We see all the prophets in the Old Testament who take countercultural stances and they speak things that other people don't believe. All of them. They're aggressive. They're not just upholding the scriptures. They're aggressively saying what people need to be hearing. One of those Old Testament folks, she's not a prophet, but she's pretty amazing, Rahab. Rahab in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, that's a chapter in the New Testament, which is known as the Hall of Faith. Rahab is listed in there in the Hall of Faith. You know what Rahab was? She was a whore. Maybe that's too aggressive of a word for you. She was a prostitute. Now, now, now do you feel better? She was a woman of the night, not just the night, but of the day. How is she in the hall of faith? You know how she is? 
Because when her moment comes, she snaps out of her spiritual malaise, out of her sexual malaise, and she chooses to turn her back on her countrymen who are following a false god, and he chooses, she chooses to have the spies of Israel come into her city, and she helps them come into her city to have God take that city. That was an incredibly aggressive move. She left her livelihood. She left her family. She left her customs. And she's in the hall of faith. Friends, passive people think they can never live down their past. I don't care what your past is. I don't care what your sexual past is. I don't care what your financial past is. I don't care what your political past is. I don't care what your verbal past is. There's a new place for you to go. There's a new thing for you to be able to do. If you are aggressive, you got to be aggressive with this. I can just give you one more. I go on this all day, boys and girls, all day long. Peter. Peter, a lot of Protestant Catholics love Peter because he's known as the cornerstone of the church. Protestants believe that Peter is himself is not the cornerstone of the church, but Peter's testimony that Christ is the Messiah is the cornerstone of the church. It's one of the intramural debates between Protestantism and Catholicism. So Catholics tend to hyper-adore Peter. He, he's seen as the, the first pope. And Protestants tend to hyper-dismiss Peter. Maybe part of it is rebelliousness against Catholicism, which is ridiculous for us to rebel against intramural debates we may have in the Christian world. But the other thing is passive Protestants misinterpret every story of Peter. There's a story of, well, first of all, <laughs> Peter is the only one who says, I say you're the Christ. He's the only one. The other disciples are going, well, some people say, some people say that you're this. Some people, You know what I hate? I hate when somebody in the organization that I lead, it's a, you know, I, I, I oversee hundreds of people. I think the last time I counted our staff was 370 people. It depresses me, actually. It's a lot of responsibility. It really is. I wish it wasn't that big. But for the size of vision that God's given us and what he's doing, it's got to be that big. But I'll tell you what I hate. I, 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 I don't like it at all. I don't like it. When someone passed me, goes, well, you know, I'm hearing the people yada, yada, yada. Someone a few months ago came to me and said, you know, in the Navy, we used to say that, you know, the hands on deck are saying yada, yada, yada. I'm like, I don't want to hear somebody else tell me the hands on deck are saying yada, yada, yada. I want the hands on deck to come talk to me. Peter is the one guy who doesn't say, well, some people say that he says, I say you're the Christ. And that's why Jesus says, ding, 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 upon you or upon this testimony, whether you're Catholic or Protestant, the church will be built. He's aggressive. Peter is pulling out a, a sword and Protestants go, oh, here comes Peter whacking off the ear of a soldier who comes to arrest Jesus right before he is tried and crucified. Oh, tisk tisk, Peter, oh, he shouldn't have done this. Two things for you to consider. One, sword, he didn't, he didn't have a pocket sword. <laughs> he didn't have a concealed carry sword. He had a sword. Jesus never had a hard time with him having a sword or he would have rebuked him for having a sword ahead of time. Second thing that, that is, I personally think that while Peter was too physically aggressive and trying to take a guy's, split a guy's skull who's coming after Jesus, he at least was doing something. He at least was stepping in. 
Maybe that's why Jesus reached down and took the guy's ear and put it right back on the side of his head. But Protestants who are passive go, oh, there's Peter always trying to be violent. Hey, man, let me tell you something. (laughs) If there's a mob that's coming after me, I hope I have one friend who gets between me and you. I hope so. But our passive culture, we don't get this. Sometimes violence is the answer. And unless you've ever been personally bullied, you don't understand this. Philosophies don't work on a bully. They don't. I'm not encouraging anybody towards violence. I'm not doing that at all right now. What I am doing is throwing a shot across the bow of our passive philosophies that simply don't work. Peter then is also dissed by Protestants because he denied Christ three times. It is true. Jesus predicted he would deny Christ three times, and he does deny Christ three times. I've actually been to the exact place where he denies Christ three times. It's outside of Caiaphas' house. The actual stones are still there from Rome that were there when Jesus actually walked on. Remember when he talks about Jesus being a myth? Like, dude, pull your head out, man. Go over to the Middle East. His marks are all over the place. He's, he's, he's the most well no name in all of human history in every corner of the globe. To say that he's a myth or he's a figment of history, there's more evidence for him than there was George Washington. Literally and historically, there is. So I've been to that place where he was on those stones. They've been probably reset over the centuries, but no question those are the actual stones. And I've been to the place where Jesus would have seen Peter deny him three times. But here's the thing I want to help you understand about Peter. Yeah, he denied three times. He shouldn't have done that. Yeah, I guess he shouldn't have tried to split a guy's skull, but, you know, but he did. Yeah, he shouldn't have sunk in the water. Oh, my God, the way, there's another one. Oh, Peter, Peter. Peter, Jesus is walking on the water one day and invites Peter to get out of the boat. And Jesus, Peter gets out of the boat, and the Bible says he saw the wind and the waves and begin, began to sink. And all the sermons have been all about, oh, oh, how Peter looked at wind and waves and he got distracted. So don't be distracted, just look at God. And Okay, th- I guess that's true. Don't be distracted. Keep your vision forward. But you're missing the point. (laughs) Peter's the only buddy who got out of the boat. He's the only one who is willing to get wet. So we go, oh, tis, tis, tis. Most people can't name anybody else in the boat because none of the rest of those losers asked Jesus to call me out in the water. Peter does this aggressive thing again and again and again and again. I think that's why he's one of Jesus' three favorite. There's... Peter, James, and John, and they always got the best of Jesus. And I just think Jesus had a special place in his heart for Peter. I believe when Peter denied Jesus the third time, I didn't, he said, I don't know him. I don't know who you're talking about. And, the, and, and a rooster crowed, which there's actually a, a rooster weather vane right at that same structure. It's kind of interesting memorializing it. As Jesus looked at him, I believe that Jesus was heartbroken that his friend denied him three times. And I think Jesus also said and thought to himself, but the reason you deny me three times is because you had the opportunity to deny me three times. It's because you followed me and you stuck with me. He's the only disciple that didn't run and hide when Jesus was arrested. The only freaking one. He's the only one that followed. Maybe he's looking for a shot to rescue Jesus. We don't know. He keeps getting asked questions while he's trying to stay close to his his best friend, his Lord, his master. 
And he obviously denies him when he shouldn't have denied him. But I'm just one guy who's saying, all you loser weenie boy and weenie girl preachers who've been dissing on Peter, when you get to heaven, he's going to have some words for you. Because <laughs> you wouldn't have done any better. You'd have done much, much worse. Okay, enough Bible stuff. Let's talk about just history. MLK Jr. made aggressive moves. MLK Jr. comes from Martin Luther. Martin Luther started the whole Protestant Reformation. It's a beer-drinking German monk that spoke it the way it was in German and nailed his ideas to a door and said, let's talk about these and sparked a spiritual revolution that's still going on today. Winston Churchill said, Neville Chamberlain, you're deluded. You keep thinking the Nazis are going to be okay. You can't reason with them. You can't reason with them. Winston Churchill was amazingly aggressive. Abraham Lincoln, amazingly aggressive. Not just sending in troops to try to keep the union together, to do his part to eliminate slavery, but he was incredibly aggressive in trying to hear people's story that were other than his story. Incredibly aggressive also in bending over backwards for total buttheads like George McKellen the first commander of the armies of the North. One of my favorite stories about Lincoln was when he would call upon George McClellan. By the way, McClellan is the antithesis to Grant, who is my one of my favorite historical figures of all time. Ulysses S. Grant is responsible for winning the Civil War because he was somebody who would fight. He was somebody who would aggressively move. And I've done a lot of reading on him. He definitely had some alcohol problems, but his alcohol problems were definitely overblown from what they actually were. He actually had him pretty in control while he was, while he was actually leading the country. <laughs> One time, uh, a group of prohibitionists came to Lincoln, tried to get him, get, get him to demote Ulysses Grant. They said, hey, he's just drinking too much. And he said, well, what's he drinking? But whatever you drink, I'm going to buy it for all of my generals. <laughs> Lincoln said once, I finally have a man who will fight. Grant would fight. He was on the move. He would do things where up to that point, every commander in charge would not move. The classic example is McClellan. Back to my aggressive move with Lincoln. Lincoln goes to visit him personally. Personally, he goes to visit him to implore him again to send troops in. One of his correspondents says, he said, uh, General McClellan, do you mind if I borrow your army? I have need of it. <laughs> he goes to visit him one day at his house, and McClellan comes back from the field, and he's Lincoln, the president of the United States, is waiting in the parlor, and McClellan's servants tell him the president's in the parlor, and he goes upstairs, McClellan does, and he takes a nap and cleans himself before he comes back down to see the president of the United States. If I'm Lincoln, I am going to, man, I'm, I'm going to lose my stuff on him. But this was actually an aggressive move. You can actually be aggressive and choose not to do something, but it's got to be aggressive, intentional choice. Lincoln makes the aggressive, intentional choice to choke back his pride because he still, at that point, is hoping that the best hope for the Union is McClellan to lead them a victory, and it's best for him to choke back his pride. This is, this, is, this is aggression. Gandhi. I mean, we just keep going on and on. Boy, all I'm saying is this. None of us are going to be a, another Ulysses S. Grant. 
None of us are going to be another Gandhi. None of us are going to be another MLK or a Winston Churchill or a Billy Graham. None of us are. But there is a life that God wants for you. There is your life, not somebody else's life. There is your life. And you can either choose to run the classic narrative of victimhood, the classic narrative of waiting for the government to change its policies, the classic narrative of waiting for your parents to apologize to you for spanking you, which, by the way, I've never apologized to my kids, uh, the, 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 the classic narrative of God helps those who help themselves. Actually, that was Benjamin Franklin. He was wrong. The Bible never says God helps those who help themselves. But Benjamin Franklin, I think he was at least understanding a little bit of the tenor of the Bible that God is about people who are aggressively moving and going forward. Faith is not about letting go and letting God. Just let go and let God. Where exactly is that verse in the Bible, by the way? Where exactly are the inspirational Bible heroes who took that as their, as their mode? No one lets go and lets God. Let, let's God. Moses goes as far as he can, which is up to the banks of the river, up to the banks of the river as he's, as he's leading the slaves out. And then, he's, then he can't take him any further until God miraculously parts the waters. Yes, there is a waiting on the Lord when you've done as much as you can. You can't do anything more, and it's in God's hands. Yes, there is a power to prayer. I believe it. I do it. Yes, yes, yes. And there's also a personal responsibility you and I have to take control of our lives, to take advantage of every opportunity we have. This is one of my opportunities, friends. It's the aggressive life. There's things I'm going to say here and do here that are not going to come out on a platform from which I preach, not because I'm ashamed of something I say here that I, that I wouldn't want to bring on a platform that I preach, just a different communication method. There's different kind of people. There's different kind of voices that I'm going to have here. And that's what I want. I want the best for you. I want the best for you. I want the best for your life. And I want to be one voice that pushes you a little bit, that encourages you that you can do more than other people think that you can. I want to be one voice that tells you you, you don't have to be defined by your past failures and just waiting for something to happen until you can go forward. You can, you can pick yourself up and go forward right now. I want to be one of those voices. I, I want to be one of those voices that tells you that your dream might actually be the right dream because God wants you to do it. And what is the key word? Do. Do it. Now wait for it, not pray for it. Actually do it. I want to be... I want to be one of those voices. I want to be one of those sources that brings people here in the studio that has a story that doesn't get told in the mainstream media, that has a perspective that doesn't get space in other places. I want to expose you to some of those folks. Um, I don't get a dime from this. All I get is the hopefully fulfillment knowing that there's a fellow brother, a fellow sister that wants to make something of themselves and not play passive and push forward because we need you. Our world needs you. The kingdom of God definitely needs you. And 
people on your downline need you to step into that reality. That is the aggressive life. That's what we're going to do going forward. So season six is coming up. We've had conversations with interesting and aggressive people. They've, they've been great. And I've heard from a lot of you that uh, they've inspired you. That's, that's great. I actually want to hear from more of you. You know, a lot of times we labor on here in anonymity, and not only we want to hear from you, a lot of other people do. Please, 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 would you share this podcast? Share it. Please, 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 would you write a review on iTunes or Google? I'm not getting a dime of you, but can I get three of your minutes? Do that. That, that actually helps us spread the word and helps us uh, beat the algorithms that pop it up into people's feeds. That would be a huge, huge, huge deal. Uh, we want to finish 2020 really strong. We're sick of 2020, but we're going to squeeze the most out of it. We're going to talk about nitty-gritty stuff like talking finances, mistakes, surviving the holidays, home life, and actually learning to have fun again. These episodes, I think, could still have the power to change what's left of your 2020 if it doesn't actually change the way you live the rest of your life. So new episodes begin Tuesday, October 20th. We'll see you then on The Aggressive Life. Hey, thanks for listening. For more aggressive living, head over to bryantome.com. Get signed up for the mailing list to get regular shots of positive aggression sent straight to your inbox. And while you're there, you can also find articles, podcasts, and books. I'm also active on Instagram. Search Brian Tome. Special thanks to the band judges for the music. The Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.